Okay, music lovers. If I were to ask you to name the biggest band or artist of all time, who would you pick? Michael Jackson, maybe? How about Beyonce? Or the king, perhaps, Elvis Presley? Well, it turns out it's actually not even close. The Beatles have sold more records and been streamed more often than any other artists on the planet, by far. Then there's also their lasting cultural significance, which can't be overstated. So we're saying give peace a chance, you know, like nobody's ever done it before. And it's not a matter of, we're not thinking in terms of 10 years, we're thinking in terms of peace forever, you know. But consider this. The Beatles, as hugely important as they were, never had their own fictional universe, or mobile video game, or more than 60 million followers on social media. They didn't address the UN General Assembly twice, and they didn't license their name or logo for use by cosmetics, telecommunications, or furniture companies. In fact, that iconic logo with its drop T in the middle didn't even appear on their album covers until 12 years after they broke up. But there is a group that has done all that and more. As of 2021, it has set a staggering 25 world records across music and social media, including almost 250 weeks on the Billboard Artist 100 chart. It's gone beyond a simple band and become a globally recognized brand, complete with a full and diverse portfolio of intellectual property. I'm talking, of course, about the South Korean boy band, BTS. This is Stroke of Genius, proudly presented by the Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation. I'm your host, IP enthusiast, entrepreneur, and business growth specialist, Raha Francis. On this episode, I'm super excited to plunge into the flashy world of K-pop to explore how BTS became an international IP powerhouse and find out how other musicians, regardless of their style or audience size, could benefit from IP protection too. BTS, or Bulletproof Boy Scouts, first burst onto the scene with their debut album, Too Cool for School, in 2013. But the band was actually put together a few years earlier by an entertainment CEO who wanted to create a hip-hop group, but shifted gears to an idol-slash-boy band situation. And it didn't take long for the guys to distinguish themselves from the K-pop pack by taking on topics that were previously considered taboo in South Korean society, like LGBTQ rights and mental health. Mainstream success came a couple of years later, leading to a massive international tour. The rest is history. But what's really interesting about the BTS story isn't their meteoric rise to fame. It's the way they've leveraged IP to build their legacy, a legacy that will live on even though the group announced a hiatus back in June 2022. To help me explore the many layers to BTS's artistry, success, and use of IP, I'm excited to be joined by someone who's written a ton about them. Ana Clara Ribeiro is an IP lawyer, music critic, and songwriter based in Curitiba, Brazil. You can find her work on sites like ipwatchdog.com and Pop Matters, even in Rolling Stone magazine. Ana, welcome to Stroke of Genius. 
My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we get into what BTS has accomplished, I'd love to know a little bit more about you. You work at a super interesting intersection of law and music. How did you end up doing what you do? Yeah, so actually, uh, intellectual property was not my first career of choice, not because I wasn't interested from the start, but because I actually knew very little about it when I started practicing law. What I knew, though, is that I wanted to work on a field that would get me as close as possible to my passions and my interests, which were music and arts, culture and entertainment. So I had side jobs and hobbies related to music. I made music. I wrote about music. So eventually when researching about the music business and music industry, I found IP. And then I realized that not only that was a career path, but also that this should be the career path for me. So it was perfect for me. And eventually I really found out that Knowing about the creative process, getting a glimpse of what the creative process is really helped me as an attorney, not only because I could put myself in the shoes of my clients and understand their needs, but also because it helps when you're dealing in cases like plagiarism, for example, or copyright infringement. It really helps when you understand how the creative process works. I fell in love with that and found that it would be perfect for me to combine all my interests in one career. Sounds like the dream, eh? It's kind of like what everyone aspires to, I'd imagine. So it's, it's awesome that you found that intersection. How did you first become a fan of BTS then? Are you part of the army, as they call it? I would say I am. Uh, and it's interesting because my experience as a fan of BTS has a link with IP too. I listened to BTS for the first time in 2015 and I really liked their music, but I didn't become a fan right away. I would listen to their singles and the music that they put out and I would cheer for them when they started to chart uh, overseas and get nominated for awards. I would be happy for them. But I wouldn't become a fan until 2018 when I saw an article about Suga, which is one of the members of the group. He's a rapper. He's a songwriter, a producer in the group. And he had just been promoted to a full member of the Korean Music Copyright Association. So I was really, I was very impressed to learn that he achieved such a feature at such a young age and what that meant about how involved he is in making music. Eventually, I would find that all these traits were supported by a very smart IP strategy. So that sparked my interest as an attorney as well. I love that. No, I, I love that story. I mean, I've, I've seen some of your articles and they're, Thank you. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're on everything from like a strict discussion around IP strategy to what you like about their songwriting and the way they even write lyrics. And so I, I love that there's such a deep passion behind your work on BTS. Yeah. Thank you. So let's talk money now then. For those who aren't familiar, how much of an economic force has BTS become both inside of South Korea and beyond? In between uh, revenue generated from concerts, physical and digital sales and licensing deals and streaming income and everything, all the direct and the indirect effects of the popularity of BTS, uh, it's hard to quantify how much they contribute to the South Korean economy, but there are many studies. For example, one study by the Korea Culture and Tourism Institute found that one single BTS concert can create a ripple effect of at least $550 million. So, Wow, those are some big numbers. That's a lot. Not to mention their selling power. Like They topped the global artist chart of the EFPI, which is the International Federation of Phonographic Industry. Uh, two years in a row as the best-selling act in the world, considering both physical and digital sales. So yeah, they are a big economic force. 
So let's now get deeper into the IP stuff. First, can you break down what exactly qualifies as intellectual property for not just BTS, um, but any musical artist? Is it their music, their name, their logo? What exactly? Sure. The two types of IP that are most important for artists are, without a doubt, copyrights and trademarks. So uh, when we're talking about copyrights, we're talking about music and lyrics. So melodies, arrangements, if they are reading on a sheet or once they are recorded. Uh, we're not talking about song titles or the ideas behind the lyrics, but the actual lyrics. So these are uh, music and lyrics are protected by copyright laws, regardless of whether you seek registration on a copyright office or not. And once you record your music, once it becomes a phonogram or a master, it can become a source of income too for people who hold IP rights over the music and lyrics, also the performing artists and the executive producers. So copyright is one. And another one would be the trademarks, which can protect the artist's name, their logo if they have one, their stage name or even their birth name, sometimes both. And even other uh, expressions and logos that the artist may use around their brand, their musical brand. Um, depending on each country's law, depending on each IP system, there are other things that can be trademarked as well. For example, in the United States, you can trademark a sound mark. So if an artist has a specific characteristic sound tag that they use in their music, for example, uh, it may qualify for trademarking. So, Got it. So even just between copyrights and trademarks, we have such a wide array. Just out of curiosity, there seem to be differences in who trademarks versus copyrights are meant to protect. At its core, it seems like copyrights are meant to protect the creation specifically. And from what I understand, trademarks are meant to protect the marketplace, that is consumers, from being confused about where these, you know, who these brands are. I I'm curious, with BTS's logo, had there been a lot of copying of their of kind of their brand image. Did you notice that based on their popularity? Yeah, I would say not only you have cases when people try to copy that, but you have cases when people try to take advantage of some little details that are a part of the experience of being a BTS fan. I have a very recent case that I am studying, which is there is this expression that one of the BTS members created to express their love for their fans. In Korean, it said, Orahe. And there is one company that tried to trademark Orahe for selling products and they couldn't. After, uh, if I'm remembering it well, they had to abandon, they had to withdraw their application. So yeah, there are many things, not only the name, the logo, but even these little details that can be trademarked. If you don't, uh, it can be trademarked by someone else. 100%. I mean, man, there's just such a wide variety of what constitutes a brand's identity. Super interesting. So we've discussed copyrights, we've discussed trademarks. What about patents? They aren't normally a big thing for musicians, but I'm guessing BTS is a bit different. Yes, it's not that common that artists are patent owners because patents protect technologies and inventions. So it's not that common that a musician will invent technology, although it can happen. Like sometimes a musician is an innovator in songwriting, but also in sound or other technologies like the Beatles then in the 60s when they were active, they experimented with a lot of technology for sound recording. Although Paul McCartney would only become a patent owner in the 90s. And Michael Jackson, too, he patented the technology for the anti-gravity shoes that he used in the Smoke Criminal video. So you have these cases of artists and technology. 
And with BTS too, the company that they are under, they invest a lot in patents related to artificial intelligence for all kinds of products, not only related to performances, but also education, which is a big part of their brand and their ethos. And they invest in technologies, in patent technologies uh, related to lighting devices. BTS's official light stick, which is called the Army Bomb. They have this official light stick, which is a super cute stick that fans take to the concerts and it lights up the entire place. Can even change color in sync with the song that is being performed. So it creates a beautiful effect. That is such a big part of the experience of being a BTS fan, which is made possible by patents and IP. Got it. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how patents can lie behind something as as almost abstract as a concert experience, you know, or how, how we're trying to make concert goers feel in a moment. Super interesting to see how patents play a role in that. I have a lot more to ask you about, Anna, but let's put things on pause for just a moment. After a quick break, we'll spotlight some other musicians doing interesting things with IP. I'm Raha Francis, and you're listening to Stroke of Genius, the podcast that explores intellectual property from the perspective of successful inventors, innovators, and creators. This season, we're tackling some myths and misconceptions to help you better understand how to navigate the tricky world of IP protection and learn how the system can work for everyone, especially people from historically underrepresented communities. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about the work of the Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation, just visit ipoef.org. Welcome back. Today I'm talking about how one of the biggest bands on the planet, BTS, has also become an IP powerhouse and what other musical artists can learn from their example. I'm joined by Ana Clara Ribeiro, a Brazil-based IP lawyer, music critic, and songwriter. Anna, we've already covered the importance of copyright, trademarks, and patents. Does BTS have any other IP strategies that are worth mentioning? Yes, like I was talking about their army bombs, which are their official light sticks. So besides the patents that go with that, they also have designs. They have design registrations of the designs of these army bombs and even other merchandising products. So I think it's very interesting because we don't see musicians very involved with that part of IP. Another strategy by their company, which I think it's worth highlighting, is how they create characters. Like they have BT21, which is a line of fictional characters created by BTS. And they have Tiny10, which is basically cartoon versions of the BTS members. So these are very interesting because they have become brands of their own. They have lots of licensing deals, collaborations with fashion brands and food and beauty and all kinds of products. And it's a part of the, the the experience of being a BTS fan, but it also reaches people who are not fans. And it's a source of revenue for them without necessarily having to use the image of the BTS members. They are very IP oriented in how they always try to make the most of the potential of each of their IPs. It's clear to me that they, they are very aware of the role that IP plays in their business. Their former CEO, Bang Shi-hyuk, he, he was once interviewed by Time magazine and he literally said that IP is the core, is the essence of their business, which doesn't mean necessarily that just creating IP will make your, your business thrive. Like BTS are not big influential artists that have so many fans because they just create lots of IP. It's the opposite. It's their IP that has value because they are good at making music and connecting with fans. 
if an artist doesn't protect their IP, so their message, their their values, their art can be vulnerable to being used by other people who might not share the same values that they have. So that's an important point too. So true. Obviously, not everyone can leverage IP as widely as BTS, but there are other musicians known for effectively using the IP system. The first that leaps to mind in recent memory is Taylor Swift. Anna, what do you think she's done particularly well with respect to IP? Yeah, I think Taylor is a case worth highlighting when it comes to copyrights. Without a doubt, she has been involved in some of the most relevant discussions regarding copyrights in the music industry in the last years, like regarding samples and song credits. She released a song called Look What You Made Me Do when she used a piece of melody of an older song, I'm Too Sexy, by a band called Right Side Fred. So she reached out to the songwriters of the song in advance. She didn't just clear the sample, but she also added them as co-writers of her song. And I'm not saying she was the first to ever do it, but hers was an interesting case because it would become a common practice in the music industry where songwritings would reach out to other songwriters and credit them in their own songs in order to avoid plagiarism accusations. More recently, Taylor was involved in a case where her master's catalogs were sold by the right owners without her consent because she did not own the rights to these recordings. So what she did was re-record these songs, release new albums. That's the same thing that another single called Jojo has done in the past. So she re-recorded these albums. So the songs that she wrote would generate new masters and then she would be able to make money from the consumption of these records. And she would release these new albums with the name Taylor's version and she trademarked Taylor's version. So you can see how many elements of her career can go up in her IP portfolio. I'm curious, you know, based on your research, Ana Clara, have you seen many other musicians who have done such a good job of leading by example when it comes to IP protection? Yes, it's interesting to me because when I think of musicians who use IP smartly, many of the names that come to my head are names of artists who also are very influential and impactful in pop culture. And I don't think it's a coincidence that sometimes an artist that is an innovator in their field is also an artist that has great awareness of IP. For example, besides BTS, of course, we have artists like Kanye West, who is so important in hip hop. He's very smart in how he markets himself, like how he creates trademarks over variations of his name, his nicknames. He translates that into fashion and business and he makes collaborations with big brands like Gap and Balenciaga. He also has this vision of what performances should be like. So that converts into technology as well. He has technology, audio and video technology for his performances and he's a patent owner. So I do think Kanye West is an artist with a big vision and he's really good at breaking it down and converting each of these points into IP, which will not only cement his status as the creator of these things, but also make him more money. Earlier in the episode, Anna, I mentioned the Beatles, still the biggest band ever. But as Dylan once sang, the times, they are changing. And I wonder about the impact of streaming services. Do they make it easier or harder for artists to protect or monetize their IP, in your opinion? I would say streaming has opened a floodgate of possibilities for artists in relation to getting visibility and fighting their audience and getting new fans. And also, uh, of course, it is an additional revenue stream for musicians. 
even though sometimes the money paid for play can be so low that sometimes it's only profitable if they amass literally millions of plays. But for anyone that wants a career in the music industry today, it is indispensable to be on streaming platforms. I would also say that it's indispensable to seek at least some basic knowledge of how streaming monetization works or have a team hire specific services because it's complicated. And if you don't do it right, you might end up leaving money on the table. Now, um, along the theme of the changing times, in our last episode, we talked about how NFTs may be a sort of new frontier in IP protection for visual artists. What's your take on NFTs as they relate to musicians? I do know of many musicians for whom NFTs have brought them the income that they could never make from music sales or streaming, for example. But I will be careful in saying that the potential of NFT strategy is any better than any other form of owning music. The exception to that would be the super fans. So when an artist has a, a very loyal fan base or when they offer their products in a very unique way, fans will want to support you commercially. Fans will want to have access to what you're offering. So an NFT strategy can be as successful in as much as your fans will be open to consume what you offer even in other ways too. It's interesting to see how artists can, you know, use NFTs to appeal to certain parts of their community, as you mentioned. And so taking it back to BTS, what are they doing with NFTs exactly? The corporation that owns the label that BTS is under, HYBE, they announced in 2021 that they would get into the NFT business in collaboration with the blockchain startup, uh, but to this date, they haven't released anything. And I don't know whether they will release NFTs based on the IP of BTS. Among ARMY, the BTS fandom, there were many people who shared some concerns about the environmental impact of NFTs. So generally, ARMY is very supportive of BTS and the things they put out. But I wouldn't go as far as saying that they will buy and support NFTs just because it's related to BTS. We'll have to wait and see whether they might change their minds once or if Hype releases anything like that. Anna, we're almost out of time. But before we wrap up, I'd love to get some final thoughts or advice for other musicians or bands, regardless of where they're at in their careers. What's the most important thing they need to know about the IP protection system, according to you? I'm sure no artist would regret gaining knowledge about IP. Just like it can make a lot of difference when an artist understands the basics of business and the finance that goes into their music career. Learning about IP can make a difference too. doesn't matter if you're an independent artist or if you're under a label. It's very important that you understand what is it that they will do with your most precious thing. That is your art, your image, your name. You have to know what is it that you're signing for, what you will own and what you won't. If you're independent, then basically you have to understand at least enough to know what people or services you have to hire to collect your royalties and manage your trademark rights. And if you're going to be your own boss, then you have to understand how your music and your brand can be affected if you don't comply with IP laws. So sometimes you may be great at having ideas for your career that will get you new fans, new opportunities and more money. But if your strategy doesn't comply with IP, if you don't get your IP rights straight, if you don't look for protection of what you're creating, you may end up having big problems moving forward or even losing what you built, what you created. You shouldn't have to know everything. It's not your job to know everything. But when you understand at least the basics, like what is a trademark? How are we different from a copyright? How do you credit people right when you want to use a piece of their music in yours? 
then you're already so much ahead when it comes to building a sustainable career and get a good team, good attorneys that will know all the rest and will work to take care of your brand in the best way to support your artistic vision. That's some solid advice. This has been a really cool and informative conversation, Anna. Thanks so much for being on Stroke of Genius. It's great having the chance to talk about so many of the things that I love the most, like BTS, music, and of course, intellectual properties. So thank you for that. And bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. My guest today has been Ana Clara Ribeiro, an IP lawyer, music critic, and songwriter based in Curitiba, Brazil. Obviously, not every musician or artist is going to achieve BTS-level success. But the thing is, the lessons we've learned today about the importance of protecting IP are scalable, whether you're a budding singer-songwriter or a veteran of countless concerts. The IP system is designed to provide different levels of protection, depending on the person, product, or property involved. If you'd like to learn more about what kind of protection would be right for you, you can find a super handy diagnostic tool developed by the World Intellectual Property Organization at ipoef.org resources. I'm Raha Francis, and this is Stroke of Genius, brought to you by the IP Owners Education Foundation. If you like what you heard, please give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the show notes of this episode for links to some of Anna's articles. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.